pastor at Forest Baptist. And I, I want to continue and encourage you to uh, see our website and to uh, take a look at our Facebook page for all of our announcements and all of those opportunities for you to volunteer, for you to connect. So if you're watching via the live stream, those announcements that play before and after, you'll see those announcements there. If you're present, you'll be able to see those just on our website. Uh, just a number of things uh, to be mindful of. Uh, one thing that I'm really excited that's coming at the end of September, again, we will be set up celebrating our 153rd church anniversary, uh, a testament to God's faithfulness, not to our faithfulness, not to, this, not to the people in this church particularly, but how God is able to bless in spite of, uh, spite and, and because of. So that's coming. But then uh, also... Uh, I want to continue to encourage us as Christians. We have a call to action before us. Part of being salt and light in this world is to be impactful. So our trust in Jesus actually compels us and propels us into the culture to take action. So again, as the events of, of the day are taking place, whether it is dealing with a pandemic, dealing with racial injustice, dealing with economic hardship, dealing with uh, our own particular family situations and circumstances, NTI, uh, the, we can go on and on and on. But as we are in the midst of all these things, we want to we make sure as the body of Christ, we, we do what we can do, right? Uh, we can con control what we can control. And we can't control everybody out there. But we can control our prayer life, can't we? So we need to go before the Lord in prayer. And again, uh, we offer the opportunity for you to gather with us corporately in prayer via Zoom every Friday at 11 a.m. So we'll be gathering this September 11th to, uh, to pray via Zoom, via Zoom. And that information is on the website. Uh, but again, in this season, we want, I want to encourage you to continue to, to be Christian and be engaged. Uh, be mindful of what you're saying and what you're doing and what you're posting on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit has given us self-control. And I know sometimes we read those posts and we get upset, but if, if, if we can be honest, like Twitter and Facebook is its own little world that's not real, that has nothing to do with just your everyday life. And we can get so upset at this little online world that it it, 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 it it makes us useless in our everyday lives. So let's be Christian, but be engaged. Uh, be a source of encouragement. Don't, don't be, we, we got enough darkness. Be a source of light. Be a source of encouragement. I want to encourage you, if you have not already, I want to encourage you to uh, register to vote. Uh, register uh, at GoVote. Kentucky.gov for those here in Kentucky uh, where our deadline is October 5th. Uh, you can request an absentee ballot, I think by October 9th. Uh, but then also uh, you can do what, what, what I've done is uh, apply to be a poll worker. If, if you are able to, to, to do that, it allows other people to come and vote. So those are just some ways that we can be moved to action in this day. Amen. But this morning, we continue exploring the basics of the gospel from Paul's letter to the Romans. So if you would, turn with me to Romans, the fifth chapter. 
Romans the fifth chapter and as you do I'm constantly reminded that we are always in need of the gospel amen we are the gospel is just not the power unto salvation to bring us unto God but the gospel is what keeps us near to God and the gospel is what keeps us every single day with God we need the gospel in every aspect of our lives. We don't just get saved and then begin to do this Christian life in our own strength. No, we, we get saved and then we keep going to Jesus. And I, when I wake up on Monday, I go to Jesus. And when I wake up on Tuesday, I go back to Jesus. And when I wake up on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I go back to Jesus every single day because it is he who keeps me. I do not keep myself. We need the gospel every single day. We need to, to soak in the truth of the good news that life with God, under the rule of God, is available to all who will turn from their rebellion and trust in King Jesus. The good news that through faith in Jesus' uh, perfect life, death for our sins and victorious resurrection from the dead, we are justified. And reconciled to God. The good news of God's wonderful acceptance of us. Not because we have earned it or deserve it. But because he gives it to us freely at Christ's expense. So this week as we've been walking through these gospel basics. In order to help us uh, in our everyday journey. This week, we look further into God's good news. So, Romans, the fifth chapter, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. Again, if you are able, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Romans, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured and to our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. If y'all could turn me down just a, just a little bit. I just want to place a tag upon the text this morning, our gospel basics, 
justified guarantees. Justified guarantees. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we acknowledge your preeminence and your power, your perfection that is through and through. And we ask, oh God, that you would meet us here right now as we have gathered to lift up your name. Father God, please speak to us through your word. Please incline our hearts toward your testimonies and not toward selfish gain. Please open up our eyes that we may behold beautiful and wonderful and extraordinary things within your word. Unite our hearts to fear your name in your name alone, because there are so many distractions. And Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would cast out Satan, that he will have no rule, no, no, no presence in this place right now. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you would, you would, you would crush him right now, that we will hear your word. Please, Sanctify us and satisfy us through and by your word this morning, O oh God. And we'll be careful to give you all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Even in just reading the text, I, I had to write myself a note to just be calm. Because this text this morning is so extraordinary. And my prayer is that the Lord would just use me in all of my weakness to convey the glorious truths of Jesus Christ that you may be impacted as he has impacted me even in my studies. So this week and as we dig into this, uh, one of the things that uh, many people are elated by these days is the fact that some form of, of, of pro sports have returned. So there are many people rejoicing that they are able to sit at home and to watch a game and to, uh, to be distracted a little bit in, in those moments because everything has been so heavy. And uh, honestly, you, you know, we, we utilize sports and TV to kind of uh, take us away. So, so many people have, are elated that sports have returned. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I don't get a chance to, to watch many full games, but I'm able to watch uh, part of a game here and there. And, and I am a fan of the NBA. And right now they're, they're in their second round of their playoffs as they uh, are, are, are moving towards a championship as the season has restarted. So all of these teams that have uh, entered into the playoffs, they are all seeking one goal. They are looking to win the championship. Each team is competing hard to be lifting up their hardware at the end of the season and to be named the world's best team in regards to the NBA. And as you, as you watch the playoffs unfold every single year, I, I, I don't care what year it is, it's usually uh, one moment that is defining. It is usually one moment that takes place that determines the course of a series or it, it determines the course of an entire playoff. A team uh, begin to pick up their momentum at this moment, and they move on to win a championship. Uh, last year, I remember the moment that happened during the playoffs. It was when Kawhi Leonard hit that game seven winning shot in the corner over the Philadelphia 76ers. With just seconds left on the clock, he was deep in the corner with, 
with, uh, with, with a defender in his face, leaning out of bounds, and he just threw up this shot. The, the score was tied, and he throws up this shot. It bounces off the, the side of the rim. It bounces off the back of the rim. It bounces off the front of the rim. And it seemed like everyone was waiting there for like 10 seconds to see what was going to happen. But then finally, the ball falls through the hoop, and they win game seven, and they move on to the next round. That moment was a defining moment for the Toronto Raptors because from that moment, the momentum picked up and built up, and they saw that they could win, they could really win the championship, and they went on to beat the Golden State Warriors, and they won the championship. It was in, moments, in a moment like that, we saw just how skilled and how good Kawhi Leonard was. And he goes on to win the playoffs, the championship MVP. It's those moments in, in, in our lives. There's, there's moments in life that changes everything. All it takes is one moment to, to, to change the direction of an entire life. All it takes is one moment to change a series of events. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of like a domino effect. All it takes is one moment to start knocking down the dominoes. And as a Christian, I recognize just how one moment can change everything. That moment happened for me when I was just seven years old, and I was attending a a, a, a Bible uh, class uh, kind of organization named Awanas. And at the age of seven, I, 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 I would go to Awanas because you would always have time for, for recreation, and then on the way home, we would always stop at McDonald's. So that's why I was going to Awanas with my aunt, Yvonne. And, and, but, but this particular moment, I remember hearing the Bible story, and I remember all of, the, all of the sudden being aware of the goodness of God and being aware that salvation only came through Jesus Christ. And, and if, if, if I wanted an eternity with God in heaven, that it would only be through Jesus Christ. And in that moment was when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. That moment has changed everything thus far. But, beloved, that, that moment when I, I was able to, to, to surrender my life to Jesus and, and, and lay hold to that free gift of salvation, that moment was just based on another moment. Because that moment of salvation for me was just based upon the moment when they hung Jesus high and they stretched him wide. It was based upon the moment when Jesus laid down his life in order that, that he would redeem a people for himself. Our, every single one of us have a salvation moment or moments, and all of those moments are built upon Jesus Christ. Those moments matter. And because of that moment, we're here today worshiping. And this is where we are today. See, because of that moment of Jesus laying down his life, no matter who you are and no matter where you are, there is hope for you right now. 
And this is where we are in the text this morning. Paul has been laying out and explaining these particular moments in regards to the gospel. He is laying out the fact that we were in one moment born into sin. We were uh, shaped in iniquity and in sin that our mother conceived us. He's, he's saying that the Gentiles were born in sin and the Jews were born in sin. And he's laying out these moments where we have to recognize that we, are, we stand guilty before God. And he, reckon, and he, and he uh, helps us to see that, that there will be a moment of, of, of God's wrath falling upon those who have not surrendered to him as Lord and Savior. We're talking about these moments. But in verse four, chapter 4, he begins to talk about the moment that Abraham trusted God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He begins talking about justification, and he begins to talk about how the, being justified by faith, that moment changes everything for the Christian. The moments Christians are justified, our future hope was guaranteed. The big idea for us today is that those justified by faith in Jesus enjoy eternal guarantees. So there, there's, a, there's a domino effect in the, the choices we make, but there's been a domino effect in the fact that Jesus has secured salvation. And not only has he secured salvation, but he has secured so many other things that we just get to walk into because of what he's already accomplished. And this text is crying out and shouting to us, look what Jesus has done for you. Look what he has already accomplished. All you need is just to trust him. And he changes your situation all the way around. You just trust him. Look here in verse 1. In just the first half of verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Stop right there. That's weird. You, you missed your opportunity to shout just right there. Therefore, because you have justified by faith. We have, Paul is speaking in past tense vernacular, something that uh, has occurred in the life of the believer. We have been justified by faith. Again, uh, uh, going back to the first chapter of Romans all the way through, Paul is saying that we are guilty and we can't do anything with our guilt and the law won't help us out. No one else can help us out. No one can rescue us. But when we trust in Jesus by faith, just by faith, we don't have to have anything else. Matter of fact, the Bible doesn't say you have to have big faith. Doesn't have to say, it doesn't say that you have to have medium-sized faith. You can have tiny faith, but as long as you have faith in the right, uh, in the right thing, it's the object that, that does the work, not just your faith. Because you have faith in Jesus and not faith in man or not faith in the law, when you have faith in Jesus, he's able to overcome every single thing we need. And Paul is speaking in the past tense, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, justified, this word, this is a, a legal term. This is a term used in the acquittal of someone. Justified will be used when all of the charges have been dropped against someone. In regards to disciples of Jesus, this, this doctrine of justification 
This word justified is a legal declaration from God that all charges of sin have been dropped against us. There is complete and total forgiveness because of what Jesus has done. Your your record has been expunged. As a matter of fact, they can't even get to your record because God, the judge, got it locked up. The the journalists can't can't submit to the judge to try to get your record. The tabloids can't try to get your record to use against you. And and because God, when he says you are forgiven, you're forgiven. All charges have been dropped. And not only have all charges been dropped, but then you're declared righteous in his sight. That's like the criminal being, being acquitted of the charge. And then before they leave the, 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 the courtroom, the judge gets up off his seat. The judge gets off, off her seat and they go into their room and they come out with a fresh new suit or a fresh new dress. And then they put some money in your pocket or money in your purse. And then they say, do you need a ride? I won't call you an Uber. I won't call you a Lyft. How about you get into this nice BMW that I bought for you. See, when God makes us righteous, he says, I'm taking away from you that which you already had, which was sin, but I'm putting back in you that which you did not have, which is the righteousness of God. When we are declared justified, he takes care of everything, all by faith. By faith. For those who call on Jesus by faith, this is the great exchange. This is the, this is the sweetness of the gospel. This is the sweetness of being justified because in justification, wrap, wrap your, just wrap your head around this for a, for a minute. In, justica, in justification, Jesus is put forth as the propitiation for our sin, not his sin for our sin. Remember, we talked about that big word, propitiation. He is the one who is able to satisfy God's righteous wrath. Why, why, do we need, why does he satisfy God's righteous wrath? Because it's not sin we're afraid of. We're afraid of the wrath of God against our sin. And, and what Jesus does is he satisfies that righteous wrath on Calvary's cross, so as he's hanging on the cross, and the and the, and the and the sun refuses to shine, and the and the clouds come out, and and there's nothing but darkness. All of your sins, and all of my sins, and all of uh, all of the sins of the saints, both past present and future are being hurled upon the the flesh of Jesus and he is bearing the weight of sin he's bearing your brokenness he's bearing your dirtiness he's bearing your foul mouth he's bearing your your wicked actions he's bearing all of that evil on him at the cross and 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 the, and the text of scripture says our sin is imputed upon Jesus Christ you know what that means that he's not a sinner he did not commit our sin but he takes our sin and is laid upon his back. On the cross, Jesus bears our sin, but in return, Jesus' righteousness is imputed upon us in the resurrection. 
when Jesus gets up from the grave, when it's all said and done, when victory is in his hand, his righteousness, because he was the sinless lamb of God, because he was the only one who obeyed God in both thought and deed, because he kept every single command unlike, unlike us, because he was able to, to do the things that we could not do, because he fully submitted himself to the Holy Spirit, because he fully obeyed the Father who was in heaven, because he fully uh, obey now his righteousness is imputed upon those who trust in him second corinthians 5 21 takes everything i just said and, and makes a summary because in second corinthians 5 21 he just says for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Beloved, not the righteousness of something pretty good, not the righteousness of something real good, but the very righteousness of God himself. Hold on. Think about that for a minute. The very one, the alpha and the omega, the one who said, let there be, and it was, the one who holds all of existence in the palm of his hand, the one who created every single thing ex nihilo, that means out of nothing. He didn't need a brick to make a building. He just said, let there be. And the very same one who did all all of that he is saying your righteousness is just as sweet as he is because of what Jesus Christ has done oh what a righteousness because of that moment Christians now enjoy some eternal guarantees from God I, I I've just touched on verse 1a just the first half of verse 1 let me walk through this there's I believe there's three guarantees in this text Let's walk through this. Three guarantees. Those justified by faith in Jesus are guaranteed peace. Those justified by faith in Jesus are guaranteed grace. Those justified by faith in Jesus are guaranteed salvation. We're guaranteed peace, guaranteed grace, and guaranteed salvation. Look at the second half of verse 1. Because he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christians have been justified by faith, we enjoy a change in status. Though G through Jesus, we now have peace with God. Whereas before being justified, we were enemies of God. We were hostile towards God we, uh, because of our sin. We, formerly, we were objects of wrath but now we're at peace. We were warring factions, but now there is peace. And beloved, we talked about this kind of peace. This is shalom. This is not just the peace, the, the absence of hostilities. This is not just the absence of contention or contentiousness. This is not just the absence of beef. But what this is, this is more than just the removal of something. This is actually the putting on of prosperity. This is the putting on of salvation. This is the putting on of this mutual relationship. Shalom. In this sense, peace is not seen in the negative, but seen in the positive. Because what God is doing, he's moving you from a posture and position of open uh, animosity towards God to one who is humbly submitted to King Jesus. This peace, this is, uh, one scholar says, this is not a inner sense of well-being 
you know how you try to have that peace. You go, you you try to bring it down. You you count to ten. One, two, three. You, you know your children are, are are just 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 working your nerves, and you start counting to ten. You no, know, it's not that type of inner peace, but it is this outward situation that you have a relationship with God. But it's not because of you. <laughs> it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus becomes your master, he, 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 he ushers you into a new relationship with King Jesus. It is not what I bring to the table. It is not my performance. It is not my wisdom. It's not my intellect. It's not uh, my socioeconomic position in this world. It is all because of Christ Jesus. We have this guaranteed peace, but not only do we have that guaranteed peace, we have guaranteed grace, verses 2 through 8. He says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. But God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He says right here in the text that because we've been justified by grace, we we enjoy a change in location. We we enjoy a change in status, but we also enjoy a change in location because uh, uh, we were once far off. We were once in darkness, but he has drawn us into his marvelous light, this this realm of peace, this, this realm of grace, this no longer are we under the law, but we are now under grace. He says, uh, obtain access by faith into this grace in which we stand. He says, you're not standing on your own two feet. We're not standing because we put ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're, we're standing in the midst of grace. And I like this word, I like this word, access. I, li- I like access. Access makes it seem like, 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 like you're like a VIP or something. I like having access. See, access means no one will turn you down. Access means you have nothing but favor alongside of you. I, I like access because the overtones mean you're able to get into somewhere that everybody can't get into, or you're able to get in places where you're really not supposed to be in the first place. I love that word access, you know. Uh, and when I was thinking about that word access, it made me remember back to a day when I, I was with my friends, and, and uh, uh, many of y'all, y'all know I used, to, I used to DJ, and we had a DJ crew, and one of our, uh, one of our uh, homeboys, he was really good, so he'll be, he'll be in these competitions, and we'll roll with him. And I remember one competition down in Detroit, they had the stage, and they had the tent and all that stuff, and because we were rolling with him, we, we were part of the same crew, we got these, these passes you put over your neck, and it got the, you know, the big, big pass that says all access or access granted, and we were able to go behind the scenes, and we saw everyone who's going par- to participate, so we saw the inside out. See, but what was so sweet about this day is like when we left, 
we kept our passes on, right? And then we went to the mall. And then everyone was looking at us like we were just like famous or something. They trying to freak, talk to us and figure out what we was doing. And everyone's being over nice to us. And then we went out to the restaurant and saw somebody decided to pay for our dinner. And then we went to, to hang out that night. And, it, you know, you know, this was back, you know, back in the day. You know, when you go to a club, be a long line out in front of the club. It was this big, long line out. And we walked to the front of the line. And the security guard saw our access badges. He said, oh, y'all just come on through. We going crazy. This day has been full of access. We getting to places where we don't, we don't, we ain't supposed to be there, but they giving us access just because we got these passes. We walk up in the club. They having some type of promotion. They giving away Jen and Jackson tickets. I just walk up to the booth, say, can I get some tickets? Oh yeah. They gave me some tickets. I'm like going crazy this day. I had all kind of access just because of this badge. Beloved, when Paul begins to talk about access, he got something greater than just a badge you wear around your neck. He's talking about because of the cross of Jesus Christ, you got access to places you don't deserve to be. You got access to the holy of holies. Beloved, when he stretched wide on the cross and the curtain was ripped in half, God himself was saying, the place where you didn't have access to, to before, I'm giving you access right now because of the blood of Jesus. Beloved, you got access to your job that you wasn't supposed to. You got that promotion you wasn't supposed to. You in places that only you look around like, how did I even get here? And all you can say is, but God, because God showed up, because God showed up. How did that bill get paid? But God, how did I come out the hospital? But God, but so many times we have incredible access because of what Jesus has done, and he is saying we get the greatest access to, to grace. Grace! And he says, because we have this grace, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is he saying? He's saying we rejoice because what's coming. He says, in the hope of the glory of God. See, that phrase right there even has Old Testament undertones because in the Old Testament when the Israelites were uh, run out of their land and they were under Babylonian captivity, God gave them a word and a promise that says, one day you will come back. And the Israelites held on to that promise that they would come back one day. And as the years went on, finally we see in the text of Scripture that day came and they were able to go back to Jerusalem. And all throughout the, the writings of the prophets, it talks about the glory of the Lord returning to the city. And, and what, they, what they were saying was, all of God's promises to us would be fulfilled and his glory would shine brightly. Beloved, when, when Paul is saying that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, he, he, he's saying we rejoice because all of God's promises will be fulfilled. And, and as God's promises are being fulfilled, his glory will shine so brightly. 
His, his glory will, 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 will be uh, there for everyone to see, and, and we get to be part of what he's doing. And, and as we look to the future, as we, he, what he's saying is, but because of the grace in which you stand, you're able to have your mind set on the future and not just on what's going on right now. I believe that's why he breaks off into this, this, this excursus. That, that's the technical name, an excursus. He begins to talk about something related to, but not specifically to the text. He says, I, I'm hoping in the fact that I got some good news coming and that one day uh, I'm going to walk on streets of gold and one day I'm going to have my, my, my new body. One day I'm going to be in the new Jerusalem. But he says, I hope for then, but I, even now I still got hope. Why does he say that? He says, really, the circumstances in which we're going through right now, doesn't, they aren't meant to break us down, but to produce even more hope in us. He says, I can rejoice in my sufferings because I know my sufferings are going to do something. They're going to produce endurance, that stick to it to this, the ability to hold on. And, and as my endurance grows, it's, it's going to produce in me a refined character. People are going to see I, I'm not just following Jesus just because I think he's going to give me everything I want. I'm following Jesus because I really love him. Uh, I've lost some stuff because I love Jesus. I've, I've been left out sometimes because I love Jesus. And this endurance is, is, is showing others that you, you, you're really in this. This is for real, for real. And, and that endurance, it, it, it produces this character and that character produces hope. And that hope is that even though things may not be going good right now, even though I can't have what I think I want, even though I can't lay my hand upon it, that God is still for me. He's not against me. He will not leave me nor forsake me. And all he's doing is purifying me and he's refining me so I will look more like Jesus. Paul doesn't have to say this by himself, but he, got, he has a few witnesses. He hollers out at James. He said, James, you know what I'm talking about. James hollers back at Paul in uh, the first chapter, verses 2 through 4. He says, Paul, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, not its half effect. Not as part effect, it's full effect that you may be what? Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Then Paul shouts out, is there any other witnesses? And James says, I think, uh, I think Peter knows a little something about this too. And in 1 Peter 1 and 6, he says, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Some of y'all feel like y'all going through hell right now. Tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is saying, even when you're going through something, I got you. Even when you're not going through something, I got you. I'm a, I am always with you. You have an eternal hope. And it's all by grace. He, uh, Paul is saying, what Jesus has done, it really don't make no sense. Well, how, how do we know? He says, for why we were still weak. 
We ain't have nothing. We weren't strong. He says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, he, he's the ignorant, the low lives, the riffraff. He says, yeah, you. I, he died for you. And, and, and when you was weak, he says, for, we'll, uh, scarcely, for one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. He's saying most times folks wouldn't die for, die for somebody they didn't like. Maybe they might die for their family. Maybe they might die for somebody who was really, really good to them. But he's saying, but God shows his love in that while we were still sinners, we ain't good people. And we didn't do anything for God. We weren't living our best life right now. We was always living our worst life all the time. And even in spite of where we were, Christ died for us. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. When we are justified by faith, we're guaranteed peace with God, and we're guaranteed grace from God, but then finally, we're guaranteed salvation from God. Because Christians have been justified by faith in Jesus, we enjoy a change in destination. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Basically, what Paul is saying, is if we've been justified by faith in his death and that there's no longer wrath for us and we weren't thinking about him and he did that, now that we've been justified, just think what he's going to do now. <laughs> he's saying, when you was off the hook before, when you was running buck wild and you was so self-centered and selfish, if God died for you before, <laughs> how much more will he do for you now that you belong to him? That's, that's what he's saying. Now that we've actually been reconciled, if he laid down his life when you was dirty, how much more now can you live when you actually with him? And, and, and he's saying, he's, this is, this is mind-boggling because he's actually saying, you thought salvation was good before. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now, it's even better because you just not saved from your sin, but he takes away your sin and he gives you God himself. He takes away the worst and he replaces it with the best. He says, I take your dirt and I'm going to give you the treasure of all of creation, that is God himself. He says, I'm reconciling you back to God. We were a people who had nothing. Now we literally have everything in God. We're saved from his wrath. 
but now we're saved by his life. And every single day, we have the privilege to wake up on this side of glory. He's saying, you can live because I live too. He's saying when you feel like you're dying, when you feel like you can't go on, when you feel like this world is on your back, when you feel like you don't have an answer to why or how, he says you can keep on living because I'm living now too. And he's given us his best. John 17 and 3 reminds us, and this is eternal life. What's eternal life? That I get to go to heaven in the sky one day? That I get to, that I get to live forever? He said, no, no. Huh? Eternal life is not a place. Eternal life is not a destination. He says eternal life is a person. And this is eternal life. That they know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This reconciled relationship is the goal of the Christian life. This is the goal. The goal of the Christian life is just not to be bad anymore. The goal of the Christian life is to be reconciled to God. So what do we do with this? Quickly. Three points of application. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do with this? First thing we do, we do what Paul tells us to do. We rejoice. We rejoice. He says rejoice in the hope of glory. He says rejoice. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice. We rejoice. We are a people who have something to shout about. We are a people that when every single breaking news has something dreadful and something that is horrific and something that is sad, even in the midst of all of this world, he says, we of all people still have something to rejoice about. But I can't rejoice if my focus is, is off of Jesus. I can't rejoice if my, if my focus is on the president. I, I can't rejoice if my focus is on the streets. I, I can't rejoice if my focus is on anyone else. But just like Peter, if, if I start to take my focus off of Jesus, when you done got up out the boat, you're going to start sinking. But, but it's when your eyes are squarely focused on Jesus, you able to walk in places that you weren't meant to walk on because of who Christ is. We rejoice. But then secondly, the gospel helps us right now in present sufferings because of our future hope. We can live in present sufferings because of our future hope. There is no text in scripture that says your best life is now. If your beloved, if your best life is now, then why do we want to go to glory? Because whatever you think your best life is, Jesus is still better. The gospel helps us right now in our present sufferings because of our future hope. But then thirdly, thirdly, this is, this is the key that's going to keep us grounded. Look to the cross 
to gauge your standing and to understand your future. You don't have to look upon your talent. You don't have to look upon your title. You don't have to look, look upon your five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan. Your standing has already been secured in Jesus. Your future is already guaranteed because my Bible tells me that God is not like man, that he should lie. And when God makes a promise to you, you can go ahead and take it to the bank. It's guaranteed. Your standing is secure right now in Jesus. I don't have to worry about what the pundits may say about me. I don't have to worry about my friends, so-called friends' opinion of me. All I have to worry about and know and take consolation in is the fact that the blood of Jesus has justified me. Beloved Romans 8.32 reminds us of this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You don't have to look any further than to the cross of Christ in order to experience these eternal guarantees But every single one of these guarantees is ratified through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Hebrews 9.22 reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no removal. There is no forgiveness of sin. And all of these promises and all of these guarantees are inextricably linked to the personal work of Jesus Christ. And this is why Jesus is our king. Because it's through him we have salvation. Through him we have the forgiveness of sin. Through him we have been redeemed. Through him we have been made whole. And through him we have been justified by faith. Not not your strength, but his strength. And I like in Romans 4, the 16th verse, why faith? Why faith? This is why it depends on faith. I I, I love when biblical authors just answer your question. Why faith? This is why. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all its offspring. That's why, by faith. Because when we exercise our faith in Jesus Christ, we're saying, Lord, I can't do it. We're saying, Lord, I can't depend upon myself. I need you. That's where we need to be, a people who by faith are walking this journey day by day because of what Jesus Christ has already accomplished on our behalf. Justified guarantees. We have guaranteed peace with God, guaranteed grace of God, and guaranteed salvation from God. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your word and the promises that you give. Please be with us this day. Help us to rejoice and to be glad that you have already accomplished everything that we need and that we merely need to trust in you. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Beloved.